My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. We're told in the Gospel of Saint Luke that no one lights a lamp and puts it in a cellar or even under the bushel measure, but upon the lampstand, that they who enter in may see the light. Christ is the light. He transmits his doctrine as a light for men. And he speaks to us in parables so that anyone with a good heart can understand the marvels of the kingdom of God. St. Paul says to the Romans, how then are they to call upon him in whom they have not believed? But how are they to believe him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear if no one preaches? And how are men to preach unless they be sent? Christ was sent to all men, sent to bring the light of his truth. And our Lord spent the whole of his life teaching and preaching. And one of the clear characteristics of his teaching and preaching was his parables, which were luminous and clear to simple souls and yet unintelligible to the stubborn and the complicated. Our Lord's teaching is full of simple ideas, simple ideas that little children can understand, that sin is the greatest evil, that man has a soul with an eternal destiny, that it's very important for us to live and to die in the state of grace. The dignity of every human person. And we find these key ideas reflected in all the ins and outs of scripture. Somebody wrote once that in the pages of Aristotle and Socrates, I have met, read many wonderful things, but nowhere have I read Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy burdened. And so our Lord's words have a height and a depth, which other words lack. Whether those words are words of philosophers or politicians or poets, none of them are words of life. Your words, Lord, we say in the responsorial psalms are spirit and they are life. They're often defined in the New Testament in this way. And so they contain, they express, and they communicate life, particularly eternal life, the fullness of life. So how very important it is then for us to expose ourselves to those words of eternal life on a daily basis. 
so that we can feed our soul, so that those words can lead us to prayer, and so that over and over again we can come to savor the richness of our Lord's teachings, particularly through parables. And so down through the centuries, the words of the gospel have exerted a certain fascination. Even those who are strangers to the Christian world. But they're only understandable by those who are clear and simple souls. That's why the Pharisees did not understand them. How rightly our Lord said Isaiah prophesied about you hypocrites in the passage of scripture. This people honors me only with lip service while their hearts are far from me. Our Lord opens himself to simple hearts. It's to those simple hearts that he wants to reveal the kingdom and the secrets of the kingdom. And so we can ask our Lord for that grace to be open to those things he wants to say to us so that we can learn those great messages. You put aside, he said, the commandments of God to observe human traditions. Our Lord has no time for, for the Pharisees. He berates them in all sorts of ways, wants to keep far away from them. They don't deserve to receive the great messages that he has come to, to, give, to give us. It's only those with a good heart that can understand the marvels of the kingdom. And so we see again how important the heart is in our faith. Come back to me with all your heart. Rend your heart and not your garments. Take out this heart of stone and give me your heart of flesh. In another place, our Lord says, alas for you, scribes and Pharisees, you pay tithe of mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, good faith. These you should have practiced and not neglected, you blind guides. And so our Lord doesn't pull any punches when he comes to talking to the Pharisees. His words are meant for the little children. Unless you become like little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so our Lord talks about the sower and the field and the enemy and the weeds. And we can draw close to the master and ask him like the apostles to explain the parable to us. Teach us what you mean when you say these things. Speak to me in the intimacy of my prayer. Help me to understand these hidden truths. Because the growth of the kingdom inside the heart of each one of us is hidden and silent. Our Lord talks about the seeds sown by his works and his preaching. The growth is hidden like the seed in the ground, like the working of yeast and bread. It's improbable. It's unexpected, is in the way the tall mustard seed grows from the smallest of seeds. 
And so the small little seeds that God sows in our souls are the Christian ideas and doctrinal ideas that you communicate to your children or grandchildren in odd moments. Those little seeds can be destined to become great trees where the birds of the air can come and nest in them. And so we have the power of ideas. Christ didn't give his apostles technology, or he didn't give them money, but he gave them more ideas, a series of ideas. With those ideas, they were to convert the world. And those ideas are as relevant today as they ever were. And all those ideas are contained in his parables, waiting there for those who want to know the secrets of the kingdom. And many great things depend on those ideas. One writer once said that one of the most powerful things in the world is an idea whose time has come. Christ gave a whole series of ideas whose time has come. And our role as his followers is to spread those ideas, to explain them, to help them to go deeper in society in all sorts of ways. And when our Lord sows the seeds, well, sometimes he permits evil to grow alongside the good. Why does he permit some people to reject the word of his kingdom? Because we're told in the Psalms, God is slow to anger and abounding in kindness. He's just. He assures us that evildoers and those who cause others to sin will be thrown into the fiery furnace at the end of the age. But by his patience, God is teaching us that above all, he desires repentance and the gathering of all nations to worship him and to glorify his name. He shows us that he's patient. He gives those souls every opportunity to change. And so God's patience opens our hearts to hope. And even though we don't know how to pray as we ought, the Spirit will intercede for us, Paul promises. But first we have to turn and call upon him. We have to commit ourselves to letting the good seed of his word bear fruit in our lives. And we need to hear those words. The divine, divine pedagogy entails a certain repetition. The cycle of readings that we have in weekday masses and in Sunday masses, we are, have the choicest pieces of scripture repeated for us over and over again. So that each time we hear them, hopefully we understand them a little more. We get new lights from the Holy Spirit. Our Lord narrates that in the field in which the good seed was sown, weeds sprout up as well. That term sums up all the toxic vegetation, vegetation that infests the soil. Nobody in their garden reserves a plot for weeds. You take up the weeds from the roots, you hope they won't grow again. And then the servants go to the master to know where the weeds come from. 
And he says, an enemy has done this. Because we sow good seed. An enemy. Someone who is in competition. And so the servants want to go right away to pull them up. Those weeds that are growing. But instead the master says, better not. Because you'd risk pulling up the, the weeds together with the wheat. It's necessary to wait for harvest time. And only then will the weeds be separated and burnt. It's a common sense story. And so our Lord is talking to us about truth and holiness. We shouldn't be deceived or lose heart. When we see weeds among the wheat, truth and holiness mixed with error, injustice and sin. When we see this in our own heart, the seven deadly sins in our own soul, or in society around us, it's par for the course. No need to be scandalized or surprised. Our Lord has foretold all these things. For now he makes his sun rise on the good and on the bad. But when the harvest draws near, that's when he's going to do his work. And so we have to try and work that we might be numbered among the righteous children. We'll shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. And sometimes what looks like a weed may actually be a plant. Sometimes weeds can be deceptive. It can be something that looks like a weed but it may be a plant that's not yet fully developed. Some people are late bloomers. Anyone who gardens will have seen plants that are not uh, quite as developed as others. But with the right growing conditions, that plant may one day bloom or produce fruit also. And so we have to take care of the growth of those little plants. Sometimes the wrong soil or not enough light, or not enough water, can inhibit the growth of plants. Sometimes little plants can spring up underneath a bigger plant. And that bigger plant can block out the sunshine that they need in order to grow and mature properly. Or sometimes the big plants can drain the nutrients out of the soil that surrounds them. And that also can affect the growth of little plants. So if we try to follow our Lord's ways of teaching, speaking as he did with affection, with humility, with joy, we will also be able to transmit those ideas more effectively. Our Lord's work was a, a constant work of formation. He went about teaching. His words and his actions display the power of ideas. There was a little girl once who went to a national park with her mum and there she saw an elephant for the first time. Big animal, big feet, big trunk, big tusks, small tail. And she went away and got very interested in elephants. She asked for drawing books about elephants, story books about elephants. And she went through primary and secondary school and she 
maintained this interest in elephants. And when she finished secondary school, she managed to qualify for university. She studied zoology. She began to specialize in elephants. She did a master's, a PhD. And eventually she began to write books about elephants and lecture globally about elephants. And it was said that all her knowledge of elephants was built up. And one simple idea of elephants that she learned one day with her mother in the National Park. And so in all the ideas that we have, and all the knowledge that we have, it's all built up in a few simple ideas. Somebody said once we don't have to know many things, we just have to know a few things. But those few things we have to know very clearly. Hence the importance of doctrinal formation of children. And also of growing in our formation over the course of time. Being reminded of those ideas, clarifying those ideas going a little deeper in those ideas. Christ has left us a series of ideas with which to shape the world. The dignity of the human person, the sanctity of life, sacredness of human life, the beauty, truth, and meaning of conjugal love, the power of that body of teaching, which is the social doctrine of the church, to which we can change the world. And so we see the beauty of truth. We want to grow in that formation in the truth. Because truth is beautiful. Beautiful beauty attracts. Pope Benedict liked to talk about the cult of beauty. And we know and we've seen and read about the impact of seed ideas on people and on nations. We have to help those ideas to spread. We've got to get familiar with those key ideas that Christ wanted to spread in the world, like what is freedom, about right and wrong. We have to try and light a lot of candles to dispel the darkness. And many candles dispel more darkness. One idea can change an environment. I have seen two or three people get together in the living room of somebody's house and decides to insert a, a phrase into the constitution that defends unborn life. And that's exactly what they did. It lasted 50 years, that constitution. And so the power of ordinary people in the middle of the world with those ideas and with initiative can be enormous. Our Lord used the same turns of phrase as the people of the country. He materialized the most profound teachings. He knew how to get his message across. In the 21st century, communication is very important. And so like our Lord, everything that we can do to improve our communication can help to yield abundant fruits. In the words that we use in our vocabulary, in our grammar, in our writing, in our speaking, there's a great importance to words and phrases. When St. Rosa Maria came across a word or a phrase in a book that he found attractive, he would write it down. Because words are the vehicles with which we, which we use to communicate ideas. And the ideas that we have to communicate are very important. A famous Roman educator in the early centuries, Quintilian, said, clarity of expression 
lights up the beauty of the world. Our Lord spent a good deal of time teaching his disciples, beginning with all the with Moses and all the prophets. He interpreted for them all the things that were contained in scripture, particularly about himself. And he sought very down-to-earth means, parables, graphic gestures. Everything was there to facilitate their formation. And so emphasizing that following Christ requires knowledge of his doctrine. And so we have to try and give doctrine in a language that can be understood in a positive and encouraging tone. We can also be very proud of our church because that's what the church has been doing for 20 centuries, having a great influence in the world. And so we have to try and think, as we come into this new year, well, how can I have a greater influence? How can I use my reading or my time and my study for greater apostolic purposes. Because if the things I'm reading, whether it's an article or a newspaper or a book, is not apostolically useful, well, what am I reading it for? You have to try and maximize our apostolic potential. And we may find from experience that we can go a long way on a few ideas. Most people skid around on a few ideas. If we have a few more ideas, well, we can have a greater influence. St. Edith Stein said, before I was converted, to seek the truth was my only prayer. Many people around us are seeking truth. And hopefully they can find that truth in our words in our actions, in our lifestyles. And nowadays, while well, certain lifestyles can come to be regarded as practically normal, when in fact they may be totally opposed to true human values or to the dignity of the human person. To know the truth is to see things as they are, not as we are. And for success in this, we need quality in our choices, strength in our convictions, and the saving grace of God. An Oxford Don once said that the purpose of education is to be able to recognize rubbish when we see it. That's a great gift in grace. There's a certain modern idea going around that says we should abolish truth because as soon as we have truth we impose it on others and this is not true we simply try to defend what is right in certain countries they like to talk nowadays about not having any moral absolutes no moral absolutes means you don't come to me telling me what is right and what is wrong I decide for myself what is right and what is wrong. It may be right for you, or it may be 
uh, wrong for me or vice versa. And of course, ultimately, people saying that we don't want any moral absolutes usually means we don't want the Catholic Church because it's about the only organization on the planet that still has some moral absolutes, like the sacredness of human life and the dignity of every human person. We try to promote good ideas because good ideas lead to good actions. Bad ideas lead to bad actions. If we look back on the horrors of World War II or the other wars of the 20th century, well, all those wars came from bad ideas and led to many very bad actions. St. Rosemaria Escriva liked to say that all the apostles of Opus Dei can be summed up in one idea, and that's of giving doctrine. I have to see in my ordinary way of life where God has placed me, how can I spread more doctrine? And in many countries nowadays, public opinion can be against Christian doctrine. And therefore, we have to have a special antenna sensitivity for the apostolate of public opinion. How to change public opinion in favor of Christianity or in favor of the church, in favor of what the church has done down through the centuries. But very often, it's just a matter of spreading truth or helping people to know historical truth. If we often see attacks on doctrine in the pages of a newspaper, which are not uncommon, well, that has to lead us to some action. We have to try and see opportunities for spreading doctrine. It could be a conversation in marriage. It could be something about the supernatural goal of the church or the value of the sacraments. The predator of Opus Dei gives constant doctrinal formation even when we may be sick or elderly. Somebody said once, the, <coughs> the truth, <coughs> excuse me, the truth is not afraid of questions. The question is, are you afraid of the truth? And so in spreading doctrine, we're spreading truth. Pope Benedict would like to say, where there is no truth, there is no justice. And so we're in the business of spreading justice. And so the gospel responds to the deepest aspirations and concerns of the men and women of our time. Your words, Lord, are spirit and they are life. And every heart and every soul is yearning for those words, for those truths. We're told in St. Luke, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. You unveil the meaning of the Paschal mystery. St. Paul says all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And so how relevant it is that we would expose ourselves to those words that are spirit in life. A lady in Singapore told me that we Catholics have more exposure to scripture than any other Christian denomination. Because if you go to mass every day and at weekends, we're exposed to all the choices, parts of scripture, very specially selected for us in a two year or three year cycle. 
until we get a great exposure. St. Paul said the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And so the Holy Spirit then makes sacred scripture the living word of God, experienced and handed down the faith of his holy people. And St. Matthew were told every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Now, parents know the value of those words. How every day to try and have some few wise words to say or that just come out in conversation as a fruit of our prayer or of our reflection. The book of Ezekiel says it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. St. Peter says simply proclaim the Lord Christ holy in your hearts. And always have your answer ready for people who ask you the reason for the hope that you have. But give it with courtesy and respect and with a clear conscience. So that those who slander your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their accusations. Sister Bridge McKenna, in her book Miracles to Happen, tells a story of how she was in the departure lounge of Dublin Airport at eight o'clock one morning waiting for a plane to London, London, and she got into conversation with the lady beside her, asked her why she was going to London to visit relatives, and the lady said, no, I'm going to have an abortion. And she was a bit surprised to suddenly bump into somebody in that situation. And why are you having an abortion? Because this baby is handicapped, the doctor has told me. All my friends tell me I'm doing the right thing. And our God is a God of mercy, so I'm sure he will have mercy on me. And so Sister Bridge tried to explain a few more things to her. And the woman was adamant. And so Sister Bridge told her, well, you know, don't say that nobody told you that you're going to murder your baby, because I'm telling you now. And they went their separate ways. The following day, the lady walked into the abortion clinic, but the words of this nun were playing on our mind and our conscience, and she couldn't go through with the abortion. She walked out of the clinic two months later, she gave birth to a healthy baby boy. She went back to the doctor and said, you told me this baby was going to be handicapped and looked, he's as healthy as a horse. The doctor said, well, we all make mistakes. And so she went to look for Sister Breach and told her, look, I'm very grateful to you for saying what you said to me in the departure lounge of the airport, because look, I have this beautiful, healthy baby boy. If you hadn't told me those things, well, I wouldn't be as happy as I am today. And so we have to seize the opportunity to proclaim the truth in all the souls that God may bring close to us. The document of the Second Vatican Council on Scripture says it is common knowledge that among all the scriptures, even those of the New Testament, the Gospels have a special preeminence, and rightly so, for they are the principal witness for the life and teaching of the incarnate Word, our Saviour. And so it says the Sacred Synod earnestly and especially urges all the Christian faithful to learn by frequent reading of the divine scriptures the excellent knowledge of Jesus Christ. For ignorance of the scriptures is ignorance of Christ. 
And St. Ambrose says, I let them remember that prayer should accompany the reading of the scripture so that God and man may talk together. For we speak to him when we pray, we hear him when we read the divine saying. I heard a few days ago of a, an Irish missionary in a distant part of Kenya, place called Kitui, one of the furthest corners there, and he kept a diary, and in his diary he wrote, it will take a million years before these people are influenced by Christianity. That was many decades ago. But the person telling me the story said two months ago, the local bishop started a parish in that particular town. It didn't take a million years, just took a few decades. And so often the seeds that we sow can grow much faster than we think. It is possible to change society, to Christianize it. The grace of God is there, watering those seeds all the time. And so we could ask Our Lady that we might listen, read and meditate on the words. Mary pondered the words carefully in her heart. She went over and over again the things that were spoken to her. Our Lady pondered all these things carefully in her heart. Mary, may you help us also to ponder all these things carefully, to analyze the parables, to be exposed to them again and again, so that you may help us to understand and imitate God's patience. Who wants none of his children to be lost, whom he loves with the love of a father. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me during this meditation. I ask your help to put them into practice. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.